Hi, welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. It is Tuesday, January 10th, and I'm Jessica Steinberg. I'm joined today by political correspondent Tal Schneider and religion and diaspora reporter Judah Ari Gross. Good morning. Hello to you both. Hello, Jessica. Hi, Jessica. So we will talk today about the potential plans of Israel's new communications minister, as well as National Security Minister Ben Gvir's plans regarding upcoming protests. An in-depth interview with Jewish agency chief Doron Almog and Aliyah numbers, immigration numbers in 2022. Before we jump into all of that, let's take a quick break. Do you or your clients have a commercial collection matter that's going nowhere? The Sarachuk Law Firm specializes in the most challenging collection matters, whether it is a single matter or a portfolio of cases. They are based in New York with relationships around the world. Sarachek's proprietary databases and tried and proven methods have earned them an unmatched reputation for success in getting their clients what they're owed. They work on a contingency fee basis, so they're only compensated when they succeed. The Sarachek Law Team strongly supports Israel. You can reach the Sarachek Team at www.sarachuklawfirm.com. That's S-A-R-A-C-H-E-K, lawfirm.com, or at 646-403-9775. The proceeding is an attorney advertisement, and past results are no guarantee of future performance. Okay, Ta, let's get started. So our new communications minister, uh, Shlomo Karchi from the Likud party, gave a talk at a digital journalism conference about possibly shutting down public broadcaster Khan and also spoke about the same idea for the IDF radio. He's clearly following Netanyahu's party line, but what are the reactions and what do we think about this politically? Right, Jessica. So communications minister in Israel basically uh, are responsible for the telecom industry. However, uh, Shlomo Kari thinks that he also should monitor and regulate the content of the Israel's you know, media space. Israel has four major broadcasting channels, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Uh, 14 is the newcomer. 11 is the you know public-funded Khan. It's actually very expensive because it is the biggest broadcasting entity and it broadcasts not only in Hebrew, but in Arabic and in uh, Russian and in other languages, uh, the Ethiopian languages and so on for, for uh, Olim. And it's, um, it's a huge part of the industry in Israel and it's fully, fully funded. He said that there is no reason to support public broadcasting in the state of Israel. He wants the free market. He wants to either privatize the outlet or maybe uh, just, I don't think they want to close it off. They just want it not to be funded by taxpayers' money. And he also made a comparison. He said, you know, in the United States, the government doesn't fund the public broadcasting. Now, this is partially true. Uh, I think NPR and uh, PBS are partially funded, uh, but also gets a lot of donations and local, you know, governments and so on. So um, some corporate. So they may they may look into that uh, kind of way of funding, but let me just tell you, Jessica, that the meaning is is you know this is such a small country. If you shut down this outlet or even you know give it to private hands, it means the, the, there is no public 
uh, media and in uh, as a as a media consumer in Israel, both of you, I suppose Jessica and Judah, you know the difference. I mean, the quality is amazing of Khan. It's it's very different. It has an amazing diversity. The the programming is just you know really quality stuff. So if they will actually go ahead with this plan, it's going to be devastating. It's a matter of free market, right? I mean, Netanyahu is a free marketeer, so this is not shocking. He's been talking about this for years. It's not a really free marketeer because, you know, they, they're a free market wherever it's, you know, it's on their own needs. And when it comes to religious instead, they're not, you know, they're like control freak of the market. So, I mean, it's not really, I mean, you're talking about kashrut and about uh, uh, conversion and other stuff. It's not a free market at all. So I don't think they really believe in free market. They believe in limiting the the freedom of speech by making all of those threats. And other th- I mean, this is uh, this is something that wants to put the Khan broadcasting on on hold. It comes together with some uh, additional remarks about closing down a- IDF radio. You know, Galeitzal. It's a very popular station. It's weirdly belongs to the military, but it's a very free station in Israel. It's a weird. Um, you know, communication entity, but it works for, I think, 80 years now. Even within the IDF, there's people who want to get it out of the IDF just because it's sort of a strange thing to have. Um, and that's, I think, you know, my, my sense is that's a little bit less partisan and that's sort of, there's more broad consensus that uh, having IDF radio is a bit, uh, it's a bit of a strange bird. I totally agree. And also the IDF radio is a much smaller station. It's like, it's it, it, I mean, by workers, by content. I mean, we, we cannot compare it to the magnitude of Khan. Khan provides work for thousands of families in Israel. I mean, the, 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 the body itself has, it, it, they have, they employ like over 1,000 employees and then they, the programming that they purchase, it's, it's huge. IDF is, is a very small station also, although they have um, quite, you know, big crowds listening to them, mostly in the primetime morning shows. I don't know if all of those plans are for real or is it just a threatening game, you know, puts puts all of the media on hold. Kari doesn't have really any authorities over IDF radio. It's up to the Minister of Defense. So this is just, you know, this is just talking. Well, extending his talking points over anything that is communications related. Okay, now what about National Security Minister Ben Gvir, who is uh, telling police forces to arrest demonstrators who block roads. And of course, there's going to be another big protest in Tel Aviv on Saturday night. What are we expecting to see happen here? What are we thinking is coming up down the road? Lots of policy changes from this minister who made fame for himself from being one of Israel's biggest demonstrator ever. I mean, Ben Gvir was charged 53 times with inciting, you know, during demonstrations and other other occasions, and convicted eight times by Israel's police and courts for inciting against Arabs and so on. And, um, you know, he was very famous for going down to the roads of doing stuff, actually met his wife during a demonstration. He went to get her out of arrest because she went down to a roadblocks. She was 16 at the time, by the way, and he released her from arrest, being a lawyer at the time. And this is because some of the demonstrations are planning, lefty demonstrations are planning to block roads on 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 this Saturday, and he already said anyone who will block roads will be arrested. 
No, I mean, he, I mean, he made it, as, as I said, he made a career of blocking roads himself, convicted and so on. And now, but when, when it's on the other side, he doesn't like it anymore when he's a minister. And um, what he said, he said, um, we will operate the water cannons. Now, the water cannons in Israel, uh, it's a very um, controversial um, device. Uh, there was a lot of criticism coming usually from liberal lefty uh, members of the Knesset, but Ben Gvir also uh, protested against the use of water cannon against people who demonstrated in Jerusalem. People think it was used only against uh, ultra-Orthodox demonstrating against um, um, interference with the Shabbat. But let me tell you, Jessica, I was present myself as a reporter in a demonstration against Netanyahu next to his house in Balfour, where at least three or four times those water cannons were um, used. Now he's now he says we want he's the thing that he said. He said we want to have um, equal treatment of protesters if it's being used in Jerusalem. I going to instruct the police to use it also in Tel Aviv. Last Saturday, Tel Aviv had one of the biggest um, demonstrations against override clause. We are now expecting this coming Saturday demonstrations to be even larger and people might go into roadblocks on purpose in order to get themselves arrested because they, you know, they kind of, they say the, the police will not be able to handle over thousands of people, you know, being arrested. So, you know, we're going to, you know, they want to push Bangvir and the police to their limits. Okay, thanks for that, Tal. We're going to take a quick break. When we're back, Judah will tell us about what is happening at the Jewish Agency. I got married this Monday in the middle of a war. You are not a soldier anymore. You are 50 years old. What is the matter with you? It's like a couple of kilometers from here. Like my friend has a 4x4. Let's just go cut across the fields and go get him. Israel Stories, Wartime Diaries. Voices that try to capture slivers of life right now. And he told me, take with you a sleeping bag and a tent <laughs> and just go. I texted him on, like after I was told that he was killed. From their eyes, I was a traitor. Everybody needs their like blankie, their teddy bear, something to make them feel safe. I'm just another grandfather looking after his grandchild while his son is off at war. These children of Hamas now will be the killer of my children. I desperately wanted to talk about sex during my eulogy for Ido. Everyone has to choose to be optimistic because we don't have room for pessimism. Check out Israel Story wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so Judah, you interviewed new Jewish agency head Doran Amog specifically with regard to the new government and the law of return, which determines who is available for Israeli citizenship. Another uh, piece of legislation that appears to be uh, possibly up for questioning and uh, rethinking with this new government. Tell us what he had to say about that and anything else you have on him. Sure. So um, Doron Almog is, um, was nominated and appointed um, this past summer to be the uh, chairman of the Jewish Agency. He, he came in after about a year of efforts to find someone to be a permanent chairman after the previous one, um, Isaac Herzog, left the position to become president. And for almost a year, the nominating committee was sort of at loggerheads. They couldn't find someone who everyone could agree to. It takes like nine out of 10 votes to, to secure someone. And sort of, so this past summer, sort of in comes Doron Almog, who's 
sort of a a bit of a dark horse candidate in that he doesn't have much experience in in dealing with sort of these issues of immigration and uh, Jewish peoplehood and these kinds of topics that the Jewish agency deals a lot with. Um, his background is he was an IDF an officer. He became a, a major general. He was involved in sort of any number of major IDF operations, the raid on Entebbe. He fought in the Yom Kippur War and lost a brother. Um and sort of commanded troops sort of through the Second Intifada. Um, and then um, while he was in the army, he had a son who was born with um, severe disabilities, who was um, um, sort of severe autism, never learned to speak. Um, and that experience drove him to sort of the second part of his life, which sort of brought him to public prominence, which was um, creating this uh, rehabilitation village in the Negev, um, which was sort of widely lauded as sort of really cutting edge and doing great work for people with uh, disabilities. Um, and so sort of in he comes, and he's sort of this middle-of-the-road candidate. He's won the Israel Prize. There's been some arguments about things that he did in his military career, but he's sort of a very consensus candidate. The first thing that happens really is uh, a new government comes in and wants to change uh, the law of return, which affects immigration, which is sort of one of the big um, sort of banners of the Jewish agency. So this guy who's sort of consensus middle-of-the-road is now put into a position where he has to sort of go to war a bit with the government. Um, so in his first few months, he was always a bit cautious, a bit wary of being overly critical. Um, and now in my interview with him, he also gave interview to uh, a few other outlets. You know, there he was, uh, you know, unquestionably saying, do not, do, you know, do not do this. Do not change the law of return, um, that we have this concept of Jewish peoplehood, of who's in and who's out, who gets a, who gets to come in to Israel and sort of cast their lot with uh, the state of Israel, um, and changing that could have disastrous effects on Israel's relationship with the, the diaspora. Um, and so it, it will be now he's sort of saying we're going to fight this as much as we can, um, but at the very least um, he's pushing for the Jewish agency to sort of have a seat at the negotiating table. Um, in the next couple of weeks, the government is supposed to form a committee that's going to discuss this topic of changing the law of return, um, specifically the so-called grandchild clause, which says that anybody with at least one Jewish grandparent um, can uh, get Israeli citizenship. Um, so he's hoping at least to sort of be there to be able to weigh in to present their views um, and go from there. Um, it's also significant that while he's going very strongly and very, you know, he's very outspoken on the issue of immigration, some of the other issues that the Jewish agency um, is a part of, especially at the Western Wall and the egalitarian section, he's sort of aware of it, but not, uh, you know, that's also something that's sort of, uh, uh, to a certain extent, up for debate um, in the current government. Um, but that he's sort of not putting towards the front. He sort of sees that as, okay, if that comes up, then we'll uh, argue about it. But for right now, that's sort of more backburner stuff. We're not going to get involved there. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how he deals with this role of having to come out and sort of be, uh, a, you know, a more politically involved figure and to be more outspoken on the government, even as he sees the government as a partner on a lot of the, pro you know, the, a lot of the projects that the Jewish agency is doing. So uh, it'll be an interesting tenure, sort of this, this guy who is sort of middle of the road consensus when he gets nominated, uh, and now finds himself, you know, potentially at odds with, uh, with large parts of the government. So speaking of Jewish agency and uh, Jewish peoplehood, 
What are the numbers for uh, 2022 Aliyah immigration to Israel, given that huge influx that we saw from Ukraine and from Russia? The Knesset's Aliyah committee held its first hearing um, and sort of got a sort of general lay of the land. Um, and what we saw, as we've reported sort of throughout the past year, is that 2022 saw this massive rise in immigration in Aliyah to Israel, more than there has been in 20 years. Um, and that that was overwhelmingly, you know, unquestionably because of the war in Ukraine. Um, it saw, you know, I think something like five times the numbers um, of people making Aliyah from the former Soviet Union, sort of specifically Ukraine, Russia, and Belarus um, making Aliyah. Um, but, you know, sort of at the same time, there was, you know, even as there was this massive wave coming, um, from the former Soviet Union, from Eastern Europe, um, there was a little bit of a downturn um, in terms of people coming from uh, Western countries, from the U.S. and um, and Western Europe. The director general of the Aliyah ministry kind of credited that to high cost of living in Israel and high property costs and uh, and things like that. Um, I, I, I I don't think she's necessarily wrong. I think that's certainly a factor for a lot of people. I also think there was, if you look at the numbers from 2020 and 2021, um, there was sort of this bit of a weird bump in the numbers during uh, COVID as sort of people uh, reassess their um, their values and um, thought that they could work sort of indefinitely from, uh, they could work sort of remotely, and that sort of allowed more people to come. So this might just be sort of a return to um, sort of a more natural balance, or this could actually be sort of more directly related to, to financial and economic um, situations. Okay, thanks for that, Judah. And thank you to bo- thanks to both of you for being on today's Daily Briefing. Thank you, Tal. Thank you, Judah. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks, Jessica. And we will be back tomorrow with another Daily Briefing. Have a good day and a good listen. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. And thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein, and to Gili Amar for this out-of-this-world music. You can find us daily wherever you find your podcasts. And on our mothership, timesofisrael.com. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. And be sure to check out our weekly feature, Times Will Tell, released every Friday. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.